again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to be here to worship the Lord with you guys today, worshiping our, our King who has come to save us from our sins. And so, it's a good day, um, good, good time of the year to be reminded of these things. That's what I see, that's what I see the beauty in Christmas, is that we can pause and just remember His coming. And so, anyway, the title of the message today is this, Thankful for Christmas. I hope, I hope you're thankful for Christmas. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, no, we're not really going through a passage like we usually do, but it's the, the passage that we're going to bounce off of is Matthew one twenty three, um, Emmanuel, God with us. But we'll look at that here in a few minutes. Um, I want to read to you what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. He says this, In everything... We give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that language, church? Uh, that this is God's will for you and everything to give thanks. You know, because we've, we've probably all asked that question from time to time. What is God's will for my life? <laughs> Sometimes we can miss it. Sometimes God's will is so clear, like in a passage like this. Another passage he tells in that same letter, he says this to the church at Thessalonica, For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And so sometimes the will of God is very clear. And God tells us that it's His will that in everything we give thanks. That's a very convicting passage, because I don't know about you, but I don't always give thanks in everything. I don't always have a thankful heart, but that's what I want us to talk about Today, are you, a, are you a thankful person? Generally speaking, obviously we're not, none of us are going to be thankful uh, 24-7, but generally speaking, would you, if you took an honest evaluation of your life, are you, are you a thankful person? That's God's will. That's God's will. In other words, if you're not, you're not in God's will. Are you a thankful person? Or do you find yourself grumbling against God? about your circumstances. Church, these are, these are probing questions that we all need to ask, but they're, but they're healthy questions. Kind of a, it's a way to gauge our spiritual thermometer, I guess you could say. Paul says in, um, he says in Philippians 4.6, because this one in Philippians, it was specifically written while he was in prison. And he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And so Paul was in some of the worst circumstances and he's writing this to us. So in other words, when God says in His words that it's His will for us to be thankful, we can't come back and say, oh God, but you don't know. <laughs> no, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, can write this even while in prison. It's God's will that, that we be thankful people, beloved. You see, a heart that is not thankful, a heart that is not grateful, but a heart that grumbles is a heart that is, it's not, it's a heart that's not satisfied in Christ. Okay? It's a heart that's not satisfied. When we, whenever we're complaining to God, we're showing God that we're really not satisfied at that moment in Christ. And so these things are very important. Uh, thankfulness, gratefulness. What is the uh, 
The first question in the, in the shorter catechism, what is the chief end of man? You guys remember the answer? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know what? If we're not, being, if we're not walking in gratefulness to the Lord, we're not glorifying God, and we're certainly not enjoying Him if we're complaining about our life. And so I want you to remember, I know many of you guys, we know this, right? We know this, but, but remember that it's, it's God's providence, our sovereign God, the one who is in control of all things, the one who, is, who has you where He has you by His providence, not by chance, but by His providence, He has you right where you are. He has you right where you are. He, he's very aware of your circumstance. He's put you there. And so, am I saying this stuff is easy? No. Am I saying, hey, I've got it all figured out? No. But this is God's will for our life that we, that we walk in gratefulness and thankfulness to the Lord where He has us. That we, that we learn, like Paul says, the secret of being content. That we're not grumbling against God. You know, that was one of the sins that, that God talks about in the New Testament describing Israel in the Old. Where they, they grumbled. You know, he would mention their idolatry, their sexual immorality, and it says they were grumblers and they complained against God. So it's very serious. It's a very serious thing. So are you a thankful person? I'm speaking to all of us, guys, not just you. See, I've already dealt with this. (laughs) Preparing this, I'm having to ask myself these questions. But are you a thankful person? Specifically, the title of our message today, Thankful for Christmas. Are you thankful for Christmas? I see some heads nodding. That's good. I have to, I have to confess one thing. Uh, I do get annoyed this time of year. <laughs> Especially on social media. If you're on social media. Because, you know, that, that just makes it evident for everybody to see. Just all the bickering back and forth between Christians. You know, oh, you, you celebrate Christmas and you don't. Oh, it's pagan and all this stuff. That, that stuff really annoys me. So now you know how I feel about it. I'm thankful for Christmas. I'm thankful that Christ came. Um, but are you thankful for Christmas? Why should you and I be thankful for Christmas? That's just a question that I want to try to answer. Why should you and I be thankful for Christmas? Well, there's many reasons to be thankful for Christmas. How about, how about family? You thankful for your family? We have a son here from out of state because it's Christmas. You guys have a daughter. Why? Because it's Christmas. We should be thankful. You, most, most people are gathering with family of some, in some way around Christmas. So we should be thankful. Friends, right? Relationships. That's one reason to be thankful for Christmas. Right? I mean, it, who, who is it that created us? God. God is a triune God. God has always been in relationship amidst the Godhead and we're made in His image. We're made for relationship. That's one of the beauty. Beautiful things about Christmas. We get to see friends and family. Maybe they, we haven't seen. I'm thankful for that. What about, what about gifts? It's better to give than receive. It's, it's fun to give gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. Be thankful for gifts. Wesley's not here, but I'm sure Wesley's very thankful for the gift that he received last week in our dirty sin. If you guys remember, the, <laughs> I was hoping he was going to be here. He's our, he's our resident pirate. And... Uh, Viking, I'm sorry, Viking, yeah, Viking, Viking. You know, hey, another thing to be thankful for around Christmas is good food, right? We're going to eat good today, Bob. (laughs) 
Bob's having his pancakes tonight. That's their, that's their tradition, Christmas Eve. And, uh, you know, last week we had pho <laughs> at our Christmas party. Uh, so, so it's good that we're having brisket today. Trisha's brother's smoking a brisket. These, these things are good, having, having these parties like we had last week up here, get-togethers. Time off work. <laughs> if, you're, if you're still a working man, Jamie, Bob, still, hey, I get some time off work. That's a great thing. All of these things are good things. December 25th itself, okay? Nothing wrong with taking a, a day. Regardless if that's whether the day Christ was born, who cares? The fact that He was born in flesh. All of these things, guys, are reasons to be thankful for Christmas. But why should you and I be thankful for Christmas? Not necessarily these things, although those are things to be thankful for. We are to be thankful. But what I'm speaking about, when, when, when the title of the message, Thankful for Christmas, that you and I should be thankful for Christmas, it's not these things in particular, but it's the fact of Christmas. It's not even December 25th. It's the fact of Christmas. And what is the fact of Christmas? Matthew 1.23. This is the fact. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So when I ask you, are you thankful for Christmas? Are you thankful for that? God with us. Amen? Amen. God with us. We could just stop there. <laughs> but we, so, I mean, that, that says it all, guys, that God came to us. We could never get to God. You realize that? We could never get to God. So He came to us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's what I mean by I get annoyed by all of this arguing back and forth. Get a life. God came to us. God came to us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. I'm not talking about Santa Claus. I'm not talking about the commercial aspect of it. I'm talking about God invading history in the person of a son. Why? To save sinners. Amen. I mean, I'm thankful. Amen? I can tell you guys are thankful too. I think that's a healthy church. People who are thankful that Christ came. If you can't be thankful that Christ came... And so, and so, we could never get to God, so He came to us. Do you realize, and, and we quote this text a lot, right? No one seeks for God. That is true. The Bible says it in Psalms. Paul repeats it. No one seeks for God because we're dead in our sin. But at the same time, without contradicting that statement, men are searching to and fro because they're innately religious. They're just not seeking the true God until He opens their eyes. But they are searching. That's why we have things like false religion. Okay? And all of these things. Have you ever heard the phrase, guys, you're talking to somebody? And they say something like, if God would just appear, if He would just show us what He's like, then I would believe. He did! He appeared in the person of Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago. It should break our heart when somebody says a statement like that. Oh, He did, dear friends. He came. The one who created the galaxies came to this earth and born in the most humble means, lived the most humble life, and died the most humble death. He came. And Jesus even told us that when He was here. 
in John 14, 9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm showing you what God is like. I mean, He was God in the flesh. But He's shown us what the Father is like. John 1, 18. No one has seen God at any time, right? Because God is spirit. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. You know what that word explained means? Exegeted Him. Jesus Christ, when He was on earth, exegeted. That means He fully explained, fully revealed who God is when He was upon this earth. If you want to know how compassionate God is, read the Gospels. See Christ. See how He dealt with people. See how He touched people. See how He he, he, he had compassion upon people. If you want to know what God thinks of truth, read the Gospels. Jesus was the truth. He spoke the truth. He was a friend of sinners. He was gentle with sinners. But then we see, being, see Him being angry in certain times as well. Angry at false religion. Angry at false teaching. Angry at self-righteousness. These type of things. That's who God is. Jesus has revealed Him. God has come. You see, false religion, it's just man's attempt to get us to God. That's what it is. All the religions that's ever been created, that's what it is. It's some kind of an an attempt to, to, to please the deity, whoever that deity is. And, and, and the thing about false religion, none of it deals with our sin. No amount of good works. No amount of doing this or doing that will deal with our biggest problem, which is what? Our sin. Our sin needs to be washed away. Our sin needs to be paid for. Isaiah 59, verse 2, the prophet says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. See, that's our problem. Our problem is our sin. We are defiled in sin from head to toe. We need a new nature. Good works, right? When I say good works, you guys know what I mean? We do believe in good works that follow salvation. We, we do good works because we love Christ. Those good works that God prepared before us. But the false religions of the world and their, and their false works righteousness system Do not deal with our biggest problem. Do not give us new hearts. Do not wash away sin. Do not forgive sin. Only Christ forgives sin. You see, Christmas. Christmas, beloved. Christmas, not Santa Claus and presents, but Christmas, Matthew 1.23, provides the greatest gift for our greatest need. That's why we should be thankful for Christmas. What's our greatest need? Is our greatest need a fat bank account? Nope. You won't take it with you. God provides. I'm not saying money's not important, but that's not our greatest need. Your money will perish. Okay? When you go to the grave, your money will go with somebody else. Your greatest need is not perfect health. Right? Our bodies are decaying. I know some of you have heard me say this. Some of you may not have, but we are like used cars. Right? One part goes out (laughs) right after another. Eventually, that engine's going to go out. 
I've seen a lot of my parts go out in the last year or two. But luckily it's just tires and belts. <laughs> but we're like used cars, right? We're wearing out. So you can exercise. Exercise is a good thing, I think. I, I, I've uh, hurt myself a few times over the past year. But we're to take care of ourselves, right? We're to eat well. But guess what? Your day's numbered. God already has your day. And so we're to be good stewards of our life, yes. Yes, we're to be wise with our finances. We're to work hard, provide, yes. But none of these things are your greatest need. What is your greatest need? Forgiveness of sins. You had better have had your sins forgiven when you stand before God. Because every one of your sins will be punished. One of two ways. If your sins are not forgiven, if you're not in Christ, then God will punish you for your sins. That's the good news of Christmas, right? That for those who believe our sins, God did deal with our sins in Christ on the cross. And what did He say? Paid in full. All of my sins have been dealt with. God can be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't compromise His justice. For the believer, our sins were dealt with. Christ was crushed in our place. And now we, by faith, can be made righteous before God. That's the gift of Christmas. So our greatest need is what Christmas provides. Forgiveness of sins and access to God. Amen? False religion doesn't give access to God. You cannot work your way to heaven. You would have a better chance of jumping across the Grand Canyon than to, than to, try, to, to, than to try to get to holy God in and of yourself. Listen to 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also died for sins once for all. How many times? He died once. Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God. Christ is the one who will bring you to God. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, He brings you to the Father. Your sins are paid in full. He gives you the, God gives you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now we can stand before God accepted in Him. Accepted in His Son. So the first reason... We should be thankful for Christmas is that we could never get to God so He came to us and provided forgiveness of sins. And there's nothing greater than that. There's no greater need. Secondly, what else does Christmas provide that you and I need to be thankful for? And I, God not only provides forgiveness of sins because His Son has came, but He provides meaning and purpose to live. Amen? Have you ever met people? How sad it is to have everything that this world can provide and yet they really don't have any purpose to live because they know it's all going to come to an end. That's, that's very sad. And that's the meaning. I've said this before of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon who had everything the world had to offer, all the riches... All the pleasure. And what's he, what does he keep saying? These things are, it's vanity. It's vanity. It's vanity. And what he meant was, apart from Christ, without God, it's all vanity. It's all going to perish. 
the riches are going to fly away. People's going to let you down. And then at the end, it's judgment. It's vanity. It's a wasted life. But God gives meaning. He gives purpose. Are you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I have a reason to live. I have a reason to live. I have a, again, the, the question in the catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You can only do that in Christ. You can't glorify God outside of Christ. You see, all of our good works outside of Christ are what? Filthy rags. But our good works, when we're in Christ, God is pleased with them. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. We're not trying to bribe God. But no, we obey Christ's wife because we love Him. Jesus said, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. Our good works are an expression of love. Our good works, are, are, we're, we're walking in those works that God has prepared for us before the foundation of the world. My good works may look different than your good works. But God has prepared us, prepared these works for us that we walk in. But it's only found in Christ. The only way you can glorify God, the only way you can truly enjoy Him, is through Christ. He is the one and only means of salvation, right? There is salvation in no other. Is that hard to understand? <laughs> there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And if you wonder what name he's talking about, just a few verses up, he's talking about Jesus. It's so sad. It's sad that, that at Christmas, at Christmas, this season, when we're, when we're, and I'm talking about the true meaning of Christmas, when God came, that, that's when many feel the loneliest. It's sad. It's a reality. And I say that with sympathy. I say it with compassion. It's a sad thing. Because the message of Christmas is you're not alone. You're not alone. Christian, I'm speaking to the Christian here. You're never alone. Do you understand that? You're never alone. Ever. No matter what you feel like. See, Christmas is a reminder that God with, is with us. That God came to this earth. Ask yourself this question. Do you desire to be with Christ? you desire to be with Christ? And I'm not talking about just like forever in heaven. I'm talking about today. Do you desire to be with Him? Do you desire to be near Him? One of the only passages, really maybe the only passage I'll have you turn to, turn over to Luke chapter 8 real quickly. Obviously we'll deal with this probably here in a, here in a couple months, I don't know when, here in a... Not too awful long as we're going through Luke. But turn to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 26 through 39. It's a passage we're all familiar with, the demoniac. And I'm just going to read it and then make a, make a comment or two about a couple verses towards the end. Luke 8, 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons. And who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before Him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment Me. For He had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized Him many times and He was bound with chains and shackles. 
and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to, to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. But the man from whom the demon had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him But he sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Do you hear what he do you hear what he said? This is to my point here in verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. He wanted to be with Christ. He wanted to be with Christ. Church, you know, all of us at one time, we were much like this demoniac. Maybe we we weren't possessed by multiple demons. Some people were. But we were all slaves of the devil. And Jesus set us free. Amen? Amen? Jesus set us free. It's the same Christ who set this man free is the one who sets us free from sin. He sets us free from the... We are, we are children of the devil. And, and Jesus comes along Right, right. because of Christmas, He comes to this earth and He sets the captives free. And guess what? As the Christian, He is with us. You see, Pentecost hadn't come. He is with us. Christ in us. This demoniac, He just, I want to be with you, Lord. And Jesus said, no, go, go, go tell the people what God has done for you. We get to do both. He's always with us, right? Listen to John 14. Verse 16, he said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever and will be in you. The Spirit of Christ. You see, He is with us. For the Christian, you're never alone. It's Christ in you. When Joseph was sitting in prison, God was with him. When Paul's in prison, God was with him. Remember I mentioned Richard Wormbrand last week when he was in that Romanian prison. God was with him. He always had fellowship with this guy. That's why I could, he was praying for the men who were abusing him. Why? Because he was never alone. You're never alone, saints. You're single. You desire a spouse. You're not alone though. You're never alone. The Christian is never alone. You see, if you don't have Christ... I don't care how many the crowd you're around, you're alone. Without Christ, you're alone. Without Christ, you'll be alone on Judgment Day. That's a sad reality. But the Christian is never alone. For those who may be widowed, you're never alone. Christ is there. Christ in you. 
He knows your situation. He draws near to His children when they're suffering. You're His child. God loves you. He's always there. You never are alone. You see, Christ does accompany you. The question is for you and me, are we drawn near to Him? He's with us. He's in us. But are we drawn near to Him daily? So, so the reasons the Christian right should be thankful for Christmas, very simple message. That we could never get to Him so He came to us. He provided salvation in, in the, in his, through His Son, through His perfect life, His death on the cross, His resurrection, sinners can be saved. We could never get to Him so He came to us. And Jesus takes us to the Father. And He also gives us a reason to live. Fellowship with Him. No matter where we're at. No matter where we're at, maybe we're going to be, maybe we're going to be sitting in a jail cell one day. But Christ will always be with us because He's in us. So we should be thankful for, thankful for Christmas. But part of what makes hell hell is everlasting loneliness. And see, in Christ, we're never alone. When the sinner is in hell, it's eternal fire, but it's a place of outer darkness. It's loneliness like we could never imagine for all eternity. No fellowship with God, only the anger of God, only the wrath of God, no, no friendships, no relationships. So for the person who is not in Christ, Jesus came. Jesus came. God with us to save you. He came to save you from what? From your sins. You should call His name Jesus. There's two verses above. You should call His name Jesus. Why? For He will save His people from their sins. He came to forgive you for your sins. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He came to save you. You know what that word save means? It means to deliver, to rescue. He came to rescue you. For the unbeliever, what is preventing you from dropping into hell? That's a sobering question. It's only God's grace. It's only God's absolute control of your life. But He came to save you. He came to rescue you. So that you would never have to be alone in this life or the next. God with us. He came to save sinners. So my appeal to you today, if you do not know Christ, whether somebody sitting here, somebody who may listen, come! Come! God, when He came to this earth, that's what He told the people, come! Come to Me! Christ says, come to Me! All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. That's what, that's what we need. Rest for our souls. Come by faith. Trust in Christ. Entrust your soul to Christ. Believe upon Him. Believe upon Him. Simple faith like the thief on the cross. He couldn't do anything, right? 
He didn't have any religious works to offer God. He was about to die. And he said, remember me. Jesus said, today you'll be with me. That's what it means to come to Christ. You're dependent upon Christ. I got nothing to offer. I'm as helpless as a man dying on a cross. I need you to save me, Lord. You come by faith and you come by repentance. Lord, I hate my sin. I have sinned against you. My sin is against you and you alone. I have offended a holy God. I put Christ on the cross. And I hate my sin. Save me from my sin. Come to Him today, dear friend. Come and receive God's gift of Christmas. Repent of your sins. Trust Christ by faith alone and confess Him as Lord. That's what it means to be saved. And He is mighty to save. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. He is mighty to save. And so in closing, church, if we're truly thankful for Christmas, okay, that's the title of the message, thankful for Christmas. If we're truly thankful for Christmas that God has come, then it will enable us to be thankful for all things. If you're truly, if your mind is truly set on the fact that you are thankful when you get up in the morning, I'm not talking about how you feel, okay? I don't always feel good when I get up, like just hopping around, that phony type of joy. But I'm talking about deep down, that yeah, the waves are all around me. Okay, we all go through difficult times. It's called life. Financially, health, relationships, you name it. We all go through trials. It's part of life. I'm starting to figure that out at the age of 48. That after this one, this will leave and then here comes another one. And some of them are tidal waves. But can we, do we get up and we truly, no matter what's going on, I'm just, I'm so thankful that God saved me. So thankful for Christmas. I'm so thankful for Christ. It will, it, will, it will enable us to be thankful for all things. Right? As, as we view our lives, as we view our, our lives and the circumstances through what? Through the lens of the cross. Right? The beloved passage, Romans 8, 28 and 29. For the believer. And we know that, that God causes all things. How, how many? Sometimes these passages can get so familiar that we just read over them. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. This is talking about the Christian. To those who are called. See, for the unbeliever, this is not true. For the believer, this is, this is a promise. Now for the unbeliever, he may be working these things to draw you to himself. But this is a promise that we claim. We can name it and claim it. Let's name it and claim it. We can claim this. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And here's the purpose. For those whom He foreknew, or here's the good, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be be conformed to the image of His Son. Everything God brings in your life, dear saint, is meant to make you more like Jesus Christ. And so if we have that lens, we can truly be thankful. That doesn't mean it's like a phony, obnoxious 
thankfulness. Oh, I'm so thankful that tornado blew my house away. That's not what I mean. But understanding that God is working in it. That God is working in it in every situation in our lives. Our great purpose for the Christian, our great, God's great purpose for us, and our great desire is what? To be more like Him. Lord, if this is what You have to do to make me more like You, then praise God. I want to be like Christ. I want my family to see Christ. I want my friends to see Christ. I want to be made like Jesus Christ. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Christ. So praise You, Lord. You're the one who giveth and You're the one who taketh away. I praise You. Right out of the womb. Naked we came out of the womb and naked we'll go to the Lord. We're not taking anything with us except what we've done for Christ. Do we love Him? But see, when we're thankful for Christ and our lives are centered around Him, then everything else in the life will begin to, we'll be able to be thankful for this. Because we understand God's at work in our life. God is at work. Our whole lives then can become an act of worship. Right? We're worshiping Christ. Even in the hard times, we're worshiping Christ. Because He has saved us. He has provided for our greatest need, forgiveness of sins. We're never alone. And He's working in us. It doesn't get any better than that. Oh, it will. So beloved, that's, 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 that's why we're thankful for Christmas, right? God is with us. God has forgiven us. And God is making us like Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, thank You for Your Son. God, we say that weekly. <laughs> Hopefully we say it daily, Lord. But Oh Lord, we thank You for, for what this season represents, Lord. What it, what it reminds us of. What it signifies. What we're to remember is that God is now with us. God became one of us. God was tempted as a man in all points as we are, and yet He was without sin. He was punished on the cross in our place. That's how You demonstrated Your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, thank You, God. We can't say it enough. Lord, we can't say it enough, Father, as, as, as I've heard my just beloved brother in Christ, Ray Comfort, say, Lord, what we can't express in words, we, we do want to express in works because we love You. That's all we have to give You is our life, Father. So help us, Lord, to, to walk in those good works that You've given us just simply as a demonstration that we love You. Father, thank You for having mercy upon us, God. I, I pray that, there, that there's, if there's any here, if there's any who may listen to this, Lord, who do not know You, Lord, that You will draw them to Yourself right now. Father, that they will see the love of God displayed in Christ, that they will understand their sin, and that they will repent and, and turn to Christ for rescue, for salvation. Father, only You can save. And so, Father, we just ask You to do that, Lord. We love You, and we thank You, God. For all, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.